Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The waiting is the hardest part. Addition, as we get closer and closer to the eagerly awaited start of Bengals training camp. Coming up, you'll hear from two guests. First, rookie kicker Evan McPherson. He was the only kicker taken in this year's draft, and the Bengals have made it abundantly clear that they expect him to be their starting kicker this year. We'll hear what Evan's been doing to get ready for camp. Then, it's Adam Rank, who has written a State of the Franchise article about every NFL team for NFL.com. In his words, the Bengals are going to be one of the most enjoyable teams to watch in 2021. We'll find out why. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Refresh the game. And here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean. It's the greatest thing since a family vacation. If you were experiencing Bengals Booth Podcast withdrawal last week, I apologize for the lack of an episode, but I went on vacation with my wife and son to the state of Washington. We started in Seattle then went hiking in North Cascades National Park before spending a few days north of Seattle in the San Juan Islands. The trip was awesome. My batteries are recharged. And if you are ever in that area, go to Dad's Diner in Anacortes, Washington, about 80 miles north of Seattle, and get the brisket hash. It's the best breakfast I have ever had. Now, let's get to football. Of the 259 players selected in this year's NFL draft, only one was a kicker, Evan McPherson, selected by the Bengals in the fifth round. In three years at the University of Florida, Evan made 51 of 60 field goal attempts, that's 85%, and set a school record last year by drilling four from beyond 50 yards. His career long with the Gators was 55 yards, but he drilled a 60-yarder in high school. McPherson is from Alabama. And that's where I caught up with him this week. Evan, you're a couple of weeks away from your first NFL training camp. Are you taking it easy at this point and saving your leg, or are you hard at work? Uh, I'm hard at work, uh, definitely, because I know uh, in training camp there's going to be a competition, and uh, Coach Simmons is going to want us kicking. Uh, not every day, but you know, almost every day. So I'm just training my leg, getting it um, kind of ready to uh, – you know, to kick whenever I need and, uh, you know, stay healthy. Um, but, you know, at the same time, kicking a lot of balls. Is there a tricky balance there where you want to work hard and get better in the off season, but you don't want to overdo it? Yeah, I, I definitely think there is. Because, um, you know, I, I, I probably would go out and kick every day if I could. Uh, but, you know, my leg's screaming at me, telling me to take a break. And, um, you know, you, you can't overdo it. And you just got to know – you got to know your body and, you know, when to stop and, you know, when to rest and recover. But, um, yeah, there's definitely comes to a point where, you know, I wish I could train more, but, you know, I just can't. You mentioned the training camp competition. When the Bengals drafted you this year, Darren Simmons said he expected you to win the job. He's not going to hand it to you, obviously, but he expects you to go out and win the job in camp. What was your reaction when he said that? It's the NFL. Um, you know, everybody wants to play uh, in the NFL and be a part of it and just, 
you know, just getting the opportunity to uh, to compete for this job is is a blessing. And I knew um, wherever I went, you know, I was going to have to compete. Um, and I think that's probably one of the best things. Uh, one of my best attributes is, you know, competing, being uh, super competitive and, you know, not wanting to kind of lose or take second to anyone. So now I'm really excited about uh, competing with Austin. You know, he's a good guy, a good kicker. And, you know, I'm excited to, uh, to get back to Cincinnati and, you know, get things rolling. After you were drafted in the fifth round, you spoke to the Cincinnati media and you said something along the lines of making the NFL was your goal since you started kicking. When did that start to become a realistic goal in your mind? Probably, I mean, shoot, like, I think later in high school, whenever, uh, you know, I was getting recruited by colleges a little bit, you know, I was like, all right, well, maybe I can really make this thing a, uh, you know, I guess you'd say kind of like a lifestyle or, you know, make uh, the NFL my goal because this is what I want to do the rest of my life. And uh, I'd say probably around, like, the end of high school, um, going into college is, I guess, when I really – you could say put my head down and started grinding for uh, for a chance in the NFL. We're talking to rookie kicker Evan McPherson. I read that when you were in fifth grade, you tied pipes to the soccer net in the backyard <laughs> to make a homemade goalpost. Is that true? And if so, how well did it work? Oh, uh, it, it's definitely true, and it worked so well that it's it's still in my backyard today. <laughs> And if I, when I come home to my parents' house, you know, they still got it up. And, um, you know, if, it, if, if it's been raining a lot and I don't want to go down to the field or, you know, I just don't feel like driving, I'll just, you know, go in the backyard and kick on those posts. So, If you hit the post, did it stay up? I, you know, honestly, I do remember hitting the post sometimes. But um, it would stay up. I strapped it with bungee cords, so, you know, I – tied it as tight as I could, but uh, I might have to go fix it after I hit the post, but, you know, that, that wasn't the goal to hit the post, right? That's awesome. Uh, we're talking to Evan McPherson. The Colquitts are the first family of NFL punters. I think four members of the Colquitt family have punted in the NFL, and it seems like there's something in the uh, McPherson DNA because your older brother was a college punter. Your younger brother is apparently the number one rated high school kicker in the country, and obviously you are on the verge of an NFL career. What is it with the McPherson family and kicking and punting? Man, you know, I think it's just uh, just a couple of super competitive brothers that that grew up playing uh you know all sorts of sports we we grew up playing everything and um out in the front yard or backyard we always uh just compete with each other try to beat each other and so um whenever our oldest brother kind of picked this whole kicking thing up and you know started um doing it you know we all took interest and we saw he could go to college for free thought that was really cool and then we just started to uh you know try to get as good as we can but um no i mean i think you know with the long family lines of you know nfl players or you know good athletes i just think it's kind of a mixture you you got three competitive brothers that just love to beat each other and trying to get better than one another and and it kind of just turns out to uh to, to benefit the whole family it's been awesome for sure i suspect your parents probably love that go to college for free incentive yeah for sure 
That's what uh, they actually bribe us with a. They see if we get a scholarship, and they don't have to pay for for college, they'll buy us a car for college. So, or pretty much just like a sports car, or, you know, something um, a little nicer than you you normally get. Hey, that's so. good. That's good finances on their part because a new car yeah. is a lot cheaper than a college education <laughs> these days. One hundred percent. So on televised football coverage, we've uh, seen the yellow first down line, obviously. And then in recent years, networks have added the green line for field goal range so that when a team reaches that line, it's supposedly within range for the the field goal kicker. On at least one Florida game last year, the green line was at the 45-yard line, which would be a 62-yard field goal. Under normal conditions, is that about right for you? Definitely for that game. We had some wind in favor of the uh, direction we were going. And um, before every game, Coach Mullen would kind of come up and just, you know, ask me how I'm feeling, what's what's the wind doing, and, you know, how far back we think we can go. And, um, you know, I think, um, you know, with everything in favor, you know, wind and conditions and all that, I think that's definitely, uh, definitely doable and um, – yeah, I mean, you may you may see um, the field goal line, you know, on the forty-five uh, on a Sunday. You know, you never know. <laughs> we'll definitely be paying attention this year. We're talking to Evan McPherson. Part of your job is handling stressful situations. Does that come naturally to you, or have you you know studied breathing techniques or, or little tricks to to deal with those stressful situations? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I think a lot goes into it, but I think, um, you know, part of it that, you know, no one can, I guess, really learn um, is, you know, do, or learning from experience, um, learn from failure and, you know, uh, you know, succeeding in those moments as well, because, um, you know, they say that, you know, you, you, you remember um, the miss kicks probably a lot more than the makes and, um, you just never want that to happen again. And so um, you're kind of just fighting that in, in your head, I'd say, in those stressful situations. But, you know, you try to you know, stay as calm and, you know, collected as possible. And, you know, I think it's just uh, kind of a mixture of, you know, I've been here before, you know, I can do it. Um, so many reps in practice and all you got to do is hit this one field goal. So, uh, you know, it's just really not overthinking it and just kind of going out there and, and doing your job. What do you do when the opposing coach tries to ice you? <laughs> I mean, n- nothing different. Um, they ice me. We'll take a we'll take a practice kick. I'll take that. See how I'm feeling on the field. And, um, you know, we'll step up and we'll bang the one right after the timeout. Um, that's kind of the mindset, and that's uh, happened. That happened at Texas A&M this past year um, at Florida and. You know, I just, I just went out there, regrouped, and, you know, hit it. One of your coaches at Florida was one of the Bengals' all-time best kickers, Shane Graham. What has he told you about the franchise in the city? Man, you know, he, he's told me uh, a little bit about Cincinnati and, you know, his time there. He said, you know, he really enjoyed it, the city. Um, you know, the fans are, are great fans, loyal fans, and, um, you know, they're just going to be there to support uh, the team uh, with whatever we do. And um, obviously um, Coach Graham was kicking under um, 
Coach Simmons. And so he was telling me about Coach Simmons and, you know, what he's going to be like and just what to expect, I guess, um, up in Cincinnati. Gave me some food recommendations <laughs> and, and whatnot. So. so you're coming to a franchise that has a snapper and a holder that have been working together for more than a decade uh, assuming those guys are are in those roles to begin the season, how helpful is that for you? Yeah, no, I mean Kevin and Clark have been uh, a lot of help to me. Uh, I know even in this uh, kind of mini camp uh, phase, and just you know picking their brain about um, you know the NFL, how let's say how practice works, or um, I mean to to recovery or you know, to, to save my money too. I mean, they, they've helped me with, with a lot. And, you know, I think it's just a, it's a real blessing to have them, um, to kind of guide me along and, um, kind of, yeah, you say, teach me the ropes because, you know, this is my first, first year. Um, and so I'm going to need to learn everything I can. And they've done a great job, um, teaching me and I'm excited to, to get to work with them for sure. So as I said at the beginning, we're about two weeks away from the start of camp. This will be my 11th as the Bengals announcer, and I'm fired up. It's like you know, getting ready for Christmas morning. I can only imagine what it's like for a rookie getting ready for his first NFL training camp. Can you articulate just how, how eager you are to, to get here and get rolling? No, I mean, I, I'm really fired up. Uh, to get back into Cincinnati, you know, I, I had a blast coming up there uh, for about a month, you know, um, participating like uh, the OTAs and everything. And, you know, I, I'd i say I wasn't ready to leave. You know, I wanted to stay and you know, just keep kicking with, uh, with the team and, you know, hanging out with all the guys. And so you know, I can't tell you how excited I am to, uh, to get back up there. Um, and this time is for real. You know, there's no break. Um, when we get up there, we're we're competing for a spot for the job, and um, we're just rolling into the season. You know, I'm super excited and and can't wait to go down to Tampa August 14th. We are looking forward to uh, seeing you in action this season. Enjoy uh, the rest of your time with your family uh, this off season, and uh, thanks for the time today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Evan is the favorite to win the job, but will have to beat out Austin Seibert at training camp. Austin went six for eight on field goal tries for Cincinnati last year and made all eight of his extra points. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Bud Light Seltzer. It's light and refreshing with a hint of fruit flavor. Since the start of June, NFL.com has been posting state-of-the-franchise stories about every NFL team. They're basically in-depth season previews, and they were written by Adam Rank. I spoke to him this week about the state of the Bengals. Adam, I want to start with how you ended your Bengals preview. You write that you believe the Bengals are going to be one of the most enjoyable teams to watch in 2021. I obviously hope you are right. What are you eager to see this season out of Cincinnati? Well, I think there's a lot of cool things going on with this team. And I think the accumulation of all this offensive talent is going to finally start showing itself. And I made the joke and I referenced that, you know, even though Zach Taylor is an offensive minded coach, we really haven't seen the improvement, which isn't completely fair because there's been some injuries, obviously Joe Burrow last year, Joe Mixon went down with an injury. So it's, it's tough to really judge him 
on what he's been able to do. But I think Jamar Chase, and even though he comes in and he hasn't played football in, in kind of a while, I still think this receiving core is amazing. And I love T. Higgins. Tyler Boyd is one of the most slept-on players in the NFL. I don't know why more people don't love him, but he's awesome. And so I really do believe that the Bengals are going to be this team that are just going to be super fun to watch. A team that, you know, fantasy implications aside, is just going to be one that I want to go out, and I'm interested to see what they've got going on. I think that, you know, over the last couple of years, they've done a nice job of uh, putting together a nice little team there. So I'm, I'm hoping to see it finally start to pay off this season. All right, I'm glad you mentioned Jamar Chase because there are a couple of big offseason storylines here in Cincinnati. And number one, should they have drafted the wide receiver or should they have drafted offensive lineman Panay Sewell, number five overall? You think the Bengals got it right, correct? I really do. And I, if it wasn't Jamar Chase, if they were if they were reaching for Kadarius Toney or somebody like that, then, yeah, let's have that conversation. And I just really believe that Chase is one of those generational talents that we've seen out of the wide receiver position over the last couple of years. I think that the chemistry that he has shown, you know, with your quarterback, with Joe Burrow, they've got that kind of chemistry. I think I talk about, forgive me if I get the reference wrong, but I think I made a a DiCaprio, Brad Pitt type of (laughs) analogy. If not, it was Han Solo and Chubb, whatever. It was something that's super on brand for me. But I really do believe that that was the right way to go. And, you know, everybody acts like Sewell is some automatic prospect, but he didn't play last year either. And that's, you know, none of these things are guaranteed in life. And I thought that, you know, you use the second-round pick on a, on a tackle. You addressed the position last year in the draft. You signed Riley Reef. Like, they did a good job of they, – or they've done a good job over the last couple of years of upgrading – the offensive line and it's not like one rookie is going to come in and change that whereas chase can be somebody that's felt throughout the entire offense you know is this going to open it up for t higgins uh is this going to you know open up the running game like there's a lot of different possibilities that having a guy like jamar chase on your football field does for you and i really do believe that it was the right pick for the record you went with dicaprio pitt from the uh, from the quentin tarantino movie I'm so predictable. (laughs) An excellent comparison. We're talking to Adam Reich from NFL.com and the NFL Network. The other big storyline for the Bengals in the offseason involved this question. Did they do enough to improve the offensive line? You project the team MVP this year to be Riley Reef. I assume you're being a little bit facetious, but do you think they did enough to protect Joe Burrow? Well, that is, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think that anytime you do these pieces, it's so easy to just fall back on the quarterback's the most important player because it it really is. And I'm a Bears fan, so I know how important the quarterback position can be. But I think, you know, I thought, again, this was a huge move for the Bengals to bring him in, somebody who's been a solid NFL player for a long time. I do know the reference I make here. Uh, I did talk. I'm, I'm positive that it was the reference about having a TV in the bathroom. That's correct. Like a luxury. It's a luxury. <laughs> and you know what? Like I never, I never understood that reference. Like I would. This happened to me one time when I was a younger man, when I was in my 20s. Is I went into somebody's house. I'm like, why do you have a bathroom in your TV? Or why do you have a Why do you have a TV in your bathroom? This makes no sense to me. Like, are you that? You that depraved? Like, what's wrong? You can't go four minutes without seeing part of the game. And now, as a parent of two small toddlers, six and three, like, oh, yeah, the bathroom's the best place in the world because it's the only room in the house that's got a lock on it. You can keep the 
keep the kids out and sit there and watch a little Brit. Oh, I almost said British Open. Watch the Open for a little bit unimpeded. Like it is a huge luxury. But I do believe, like, the Bengals have been addressing it. Like, they have. Like I said, you know, they draft over the last two years. They've used high draft picks on the offensive line. You went out there and got a pretty reliable player who has proven that he can play on the NFL level. Whereas when you're drafting people, you don't know. Like, you you don't know. I would have liked to have seen them be in on uh, Mos, uh, Moses Morgan or, or somebody like that. There was a couple other names floating out there. But I do believe that they did enough like, are they going to go out there and are they going to have the, the best offensive line in the league? They are not. But at this point, what you want them to be is a, be decent. Like, be pretty good. Like, I'm an Angels fan, so I understand this all too well, where it's like, you need pitching. And you don't need to have dominant starters. You just need to have somebody who's good enough to, like, don't give up more than six runs a game because your offense is going to score. And I think the Bengals are in that that position. It's like, okay, if Burrow gets hit once in a while, that's fine, but don't get him killed. Just let him go out there and do his thing because you got the playmakers. You got the team. Just go out there. Just just be good. Just be adequate. And I think that's going to be enough. The first time I ever had a TV in a hotel bathroom, I felt like the richest man in the world. Oh, yeah, it's unbelievable. Like that, <laughs> I remember like when I was a kid, we were in a, whatever. We were traveling across the country. And I remember when the phone in the bathroom was a thing. I'm like, oh, this is this is the greatest. Now you had a TV. You're like, I might just live here. We're talking to Adam Rank. You can follow him on Twitter at Adam Rank, R-A-N-K. So Riley Reef was the Bengals' biggest offensive addition in free agency, but they really spent big on defense. Trey Hendrickson, Larry Ogunjobi, Chidobey Awuje, Mike Hilton, and others. What would you think of the spending spree on D? I thought that was pretty smart. I think that's a, a pretty good way to go about it. And, you know, it's something that the Bengals have always been pretty good at is having a pretty good defense. Like, I know it's funny. I, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir about this, but I'm telling you from, a, like, a nat- national level, like, it always kind of it tickles me a little bit because over the last couple of years, things haven't been great, uh, obviously, for Cincinnati. And, but it's like, do we not remember, like, the previous, you know, outside of the Zach Taylor era, like, there was a string where they were making the playoffs every year. Like this is this is an organization that has shown stability. They really believe in their coaches. They kept Marvin Lewis around for for a while, and so I trust them when they go out there and they make these moves. And I thought that going out and putting a little bit more into the defensive side of the football, you know, especially when you're in a division that's got Cleveland, that's got a pretty excellent offensive line. They're doing well offensively with Kevin Stefanski. The Ravens, obviously, with Lamar Jackson. I think that he's an excellent player. So, yeah, it makes sense to go out there and really kind of root the strength of this team in defense because that's what you want. And, again, it goes back to talking about the offensive line. Is it like, just be adequate. You know, just, just, just don't get your quarterback killed. And, similarly, you can look at the defense and say, look, you don't have to be a shutdown defense. You don't have to win every game 10-9. to 9. You've got players out there who can help score points for you. So you just need to go out there, and when you need to make a stop, when you need to make a a crucial, you know, like a a crucial play here or there, you've got the players who can do that. So I think that the Bengals did very well. I thought they spent pretty wisely. I think that, you know, to a lot of people, it's not going to be big-time names. It's not bringing in J.J. Watt or something like that, which, of course, like that generates a lot of buzz. But what you did is brought in pretty good football players, which I think is the key to this team. 
Let's talk about the AFC North because you wrote state of the franchise stories about every team in the NFL. The Bengals are in a division where the other three teams all won at least 11 games last year and went to the playoffs. How do the Ravens, Browns, and Steelers stack up in your opinion? Well, I, I believe that the Ravens and the Browns are probably the two better teams or the two best teams in that division. I don't think I'm telling tales out of school. I know a lot of people are kind of expecting some regression from the Cleveland Browns, and I can see that, but they're so good on the lines that, you know, the offensive line in Cleveland, according to Pro Football Focus, is the best in the NFL, and I find that hard to disagree with them. Even, you know, you know, they got rid of Kevin Zeitler a couple of years ago to bring in Odell Beckham Jr. They've done a nice job of, of keeping that offensive line great. They brought in Jadavian Clowney to play alongside of Miles, uh, Miles Garrett. And so you're like, okay, like that's that's a pretty good team. I, I think that they're going to be very good. I think the Ravens are good. They're well coached. I think Lamar Jackson is a good player. I know everybody wants him to throw outside the numbers, but it's like, yeah, he's he's still been pretty good. No matter what, whatever he's doing, it's still working. Like they're getting to the playoffs. They won a playoff game last year. Like they're they're inching along. The team that I believe is beatable is the Pittsburgh Steelers. And even though they started off 11-0 and last year, there were some signs about, eh, maybe this isn't going as well as people would like to believe. And, of course, the Steelers are one of those teams who historically have done well of just rebuilding, and they don't really seem to miss people. You know, they let their receivers go all the time, and it doesn't matter. They find four more who are just as capable. I'm serious. Like, whenever they draft a receiver, I'm like, well, that guy's going to be the best player in the NFL, apparently. Because if, if, Kevin, uh, if Kevin Colbert finds him, then – He's obviously good. But I look at this team, and I look at the offensive line and all, this, all the changes that they made. Now, they didn't play well last year, so you could reason that, well, they got rid of the guys who weren't good. They're bringing in other players. Maybe it'll be better. And that's true. But they still got Ben Roethlisberger, who was playing with a couple of hurt knees last year. And to me, the fact that they're going into this offseason, or going into this season, I should say, with Ben Roethlisberger backed up by Mason Rudolph. Like, why that doesn't concern anybody? <laughs> like, of all the quarterbacks who you're like, yeah, I don't know. Like, he's like the quarterbacks he was drafted with have all retired now. I believe Matt Schaub was the final one. So I think it's Rivers, Eli, and then Schaub have retired. Roethlisberger, as tough as he is, I know it's been a lot. Like, he plays. He plays. Like, that's the thing. He gets hurt, but he plays. It's like, that's a big ask for me. And I know they're bringing in Najee Harris, and he'll probably be excellent. But I'm like, the Steel- I don't know. There's just something about the Steelers that I think that that's a team that you can go out there and get. And, of course, the Bengals beat them last year on Monday Night Football, which was amazing. Which is, I listen, I've rooted for a team that's been bad for a while. When you get one of those primetime wins over your rival, that's the great. Like, I still remember, and I know this is a Bengals podcast, so just forgive me <laughs> as I talk about Jay Cutler beating the Packers on Thanksgiving of like the, the season sucked. Our team was terrible, but I remember just being like, you know what? Like we beat the Packers on, on a game when everybody's watching. That's enough for me. And I, but I do believe I will say this though. So last year that was cool. Like I, that's fun for the Bengals last year. I think now is the time of like, that yeah, was fun. Like it's, it's cool to get moral victories. You got to start getting actual victories at this point. Like you, you've done it. Okay. Listen, this is Zach's third year. This is another, you know, hopefully Joe is, is healthy and ready to go. Like, you got to win some games this season. I don't want to be rude. I don't want to put too, too weighty of expectations on you. But you got to go out there and win some games this season. 
And that's the perfect segue to my final question because I started our conversation with the end of the story that you wrote on NFL.com. I want to end it with the start because the headline reads, is a turnaround led by Joe Burrow imminent? What's your answer to that question posed in the headline? You know, I I do believe it is. I love I love Joe Burrow. I, I I know I put this in the piece too. Is the one thing about the Bengals that's crazy to me, and I was thinking about this. Like, I again, not to go back to me rooting for the Bears, but the Bengals. You guys have never like. There's been some David Klingler years or whatever. Keely Smith. You guys always have a good quarterback, and you're always competitive. You can go back to Ken Anderson. You know that leads to Boomer Esiason, the Carson Palmer. Andy, Andy Dalton was a good player. Like I'm gonna, I'll, I'll fight that battle. I think Andy Dalton was a fine NFL quarterback, or still is. And now you got Joe Burrow, which is amazing. And so, I think that you have proven that you're going to be a competitive team. Like that's, it, it always tickles me that the Bengals get roped into this thing about like one of the worst franchises in the league, and you're like, why? Like they're in the playoff. Like I, I think of them more as a playoff team than anything else like they're always in the mix like going back to all those quarterbacks and everything so i really do believe that what they have with joe burrow now they're going to be a very competitive team and they're going to start challenging for the afc north and as you mentioned though it is one of the toughest divisions in football three teams that won at least 11 games three teams and i know that i'm probably more harsh on the steelers than anybody else three teams that are expected to compete for playoff spots this year so there's a very real possibility that the Bengals could be one of those teams that's kind of a mid-carter you know seven eight nine wins which doesn't get them in the playoffs but I do believe you know if Zach Taylor is the coach that we think he can be I, I want him to be I like Zach I know I made fun of him but I, I like Zach Taylor I liked him when he was with the Rams and everything so it's like I want him to succeed I think that it is it is feasible and it, there is talent here a lot of it is injuries you know they got to be healthy they got to be, but that's every team, you know, honestly. So as long as they're healthy, I think that a turnaround is definitely imminent. I think this team is pointed in the right direction. And I think the Bengals, it's not going to be long before they're back in the playoff mix. Adam, I really enjoyed your state of the franchise stories. I recommend them to people that haven't read them yet on uh, NFL.com. You obviously put a lot of work into uh, doing all of these season previews, and I really appreciate your time today. Thanks so much. Hey, thank you so much. Appreciate it uh, for our annual visit. Let's do it again. Let's, let's make it sooner next time, but thank you so much for having me. My thanks to Adam and Evan, and that's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, brought to you by Bud Light Seltzer. Refresh the game. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe, and if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find this podcast. I'm Dan Horde, and thank you for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.